Emacs Tramp Mode allows for remotely editing files and using Emacs Shell Mode with remote systems. This session will walk through the basics of using Tramp Mode, which is pronounced TRAMP, with the free software <laughs> tools Vagrant, Chef, Inspec, and the interactive Ruby debugging shell Pry, not to be confused with Python. We'll discuss different Emacs techniques for accessing remote systems, editing code, and debugging systems as we securely configure them. This will be a live demonstration, highlighting the various Emacs modes and techniques used. <laughs> so that sign me up. Where do I get? Where do I get some? Oh of that? yeah. I think if you go to emacsconf.org/slash/2019, you can uh, you can find where you can get, hear Matt Ray give this this session, interactive remote debugging and development with Tramp mode, which uh, I think no. is exciting. <laughs> Because it's in all caps, it, aren't you it, supposed to yell it, all caps? Well, uh, do you do you, I don't know. It's an acronym, right? So uh, yeah, how would you pronounce OS two? Is it OS two or is it just OS two? Uh, or DOS? No one's pronouncing yeah, that. Don't worry about it. Yeah, no, nobody's nobody's yelling the all capitalized acronyms. Um, uh, so yeah, I mean. Whew. Yeah, so that's my talk. Uh, looks like I'm going to be speaking at EmacsConf. Uh, I have the roughly 6 a.m.-ish Sydney uh, recording time, so um, yay for me. I think, I think basically... That means there's no excuse for everybody in the U.S., and most of Europe, that'll be that'll, that'll be normal business hours or time to, for everyone Absolutely. to come watch you on, what is it, November 2nd, right? Uh, sure. It'll be my no- November third. Thanks, oh, time think- zones. Oh yeah, for everybody else, November second. <laughs> for, every- for everybody but me in New Zealand. You should you should have a, a talk within a talk about whatever Emacs <laughs> mode allows you to determine what day it actually is in in the world. Oh, you know what? There probably is one. It's probably like you know, uh, uh, upside down mode or whatever that that uh, that you could check on. Now, now, what is what is a tramp? Oh yeah, look at that. There's a time zone make data sortable. <laughs> hey, what now? Now I, we don't. We don't, I don't want to. I don't want to give away too much about this talk. But what's what's a tramp mode? I forget all my Emacs I, stuff. Well, you just read the abstract, man. Emacs tramp mode allows remote editing of files. Oh, that's and right. and remote shells. Okay, I used to use that. No, I used like Mule or something. Right? Was that something similar? Where over FTP you could uh, edit things, or over uh, you know? Yeah, that, that's what that's what Tramp does. Yeah. So Tramp is yeah, Tramp. is the is the the descendant of Mule, or these are two competing things in the parenthetical programming world. You know, I don't know because probably when you were using Mule, Tramp was still kind of newish. Tramp, mm. <laughs> uh, I think Tramp came out in like two thousand three. <clears throat> I see. So yeah, we we just dated ourselves <laughs> again <laughs> by just talking about Emacs. I think we've dated ourselves. Oh, oh, that, legacy comments. Do oh. the millennials use Emacs? I I found a few. You yeah. Know? Huh. It, it's like riding a fixie bike, I guess. Oh. Now, te- <laughs> what, what is what is a fixie bike technically? What does that mean? It's a fixed gear bike, right? There's does that no mean it has gear? one gear. That's yeah, right. and and it, it doesn't means riding up hills is very difficult or very easy depending on how you have it geared. Huh. Yeah. And does it have brakes? <laughs> it does have brakes. Because I think because... the thought behind it is just simply it's a cheaper way, cheaper bike that does not require as much maintenance. Okay, because because my gear. my secondary bike, it doesn't have gears. It's just got like the one gear. I mean, 
It, it, I can't shift gears. It's got one gear. It goes one. So is that a fixie? Yeah. Wow. That means that's it. super cool. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, that's it. Um, <laughs> does does the uh, does the does the fixie require like a handbrake or is it the foot brake where you know you push back and you stop? Yeah, I have a. Because I had one of those in like second grade. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. I I have I have like the uh, you know fifty eighty euro uh, Amsterdam bike, which I apparently is a, a fixed gear, and you you pedal okay. backwards to brake it. Pedal brakes, right? Pedal you got breaks, some pedal yeah. brakes, <laughs> which yeah, is pedal. like it. Which I still am not quite used to how to do that because the issue is like when you're stopping, like you've got to you've got to resist the urge to like do your your uh, your foot forward because that will keep you pedaling. So you've got to like push backwards when you're stopping, and it's I don't have that down yet. And then yet you've got to put one of your feet down, and it's the worst when you're at a stoplight and you're surrounded by these uh, these people who like you know bikes are an extension of their body, otherwise known as you know Dutch people. And like they're just ready to go in this pack, and then you're on your fixed gear bike with the with the uh, with the back <laughs> brake, and you're like, how do I get this damn thing started? And like you know, because I'm used to like on a, on a geared bike, you can like press the pedal all the way through, right, to get it set up so you can push down and pedal, but you, you can't you can't do that on this bike. So now is this being uh, you know your your uh, your Amsterdam bike is it painted yellow? Is it actually your no, bike? No, no, it's a it's an old <laughs> no, no, yeah, it's a it's an old Gazelle bike, but. So, two, so, so two things. One, this is the bike uh, I, I did. I did a traveling salesman analysis of taking the kids to school in buses. And what I do is I take them to school on a bus, and then I pedal back, right, back to home. Ooh. And then when I go pick them up, I pedal to the school and leave the bike at school overnight or over the weekend, and then take the bus back. You see how? That and the works bike's it. there when you get back. Of, yeah, it is. It's a very, very, very nice place here. Everything's fine. It's, wow. it's there. I, I well. <clears throat> what I do, I have a strategy. I lock it up, and that uh, <laughs> that seems to work. Uh, huh. Yeah, and secondarily, I also uh, I found uh, you know I'm always looking for garbage chairs of Amsterdam, but one day I saw a uh, I think it's from I always forget if it's Vomar or Vomer, but the the not the not Albert Hein grocery store that's not named after a, a knife, uh, Dirk, and um, uh, one of their someone was throwing away one of their red little grocery baskets, you know that you might carry in your hand, and so now mm-hmm. I got that strapped mm-hmm. on the front. It's great. It's uh, I've, but I've doesn't everybody like? Bike. Doesn't everybody look at you and wonder why you stole the basket? Oh no, they're probably too busy looking at everyone else riding bikes that say like you know from the hotel Amsterdam, do not remove and things like. That. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I think I think there's some petty theft level that people just uh, it's, you know it's 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 the way the economy works. It's fine. Hmm. No. But Kote, going back, like you know, something I've always wondered: what on your Instagram, what what is the story with the garbage chairs and taking pictures? Like, what's what's the story there? Why why are you doing that? What, <laughs> <laughs> what kind of artistic expression am I not understanding? I like, just what's, uh, what's happening there? You know that you know it's 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 uh, I don't know if it's a I don't know if it's a vicious cycle, but I started realize spotting there's all these chairs people are throwing away, like more than you would right. see in Austin, and I would take pictures of them. And then people are like, "Oh, that's that's interesting." And then here I am. I just keep taking more. And and it's, at this point, it's almost like you know I haven't actually seen a garbage chair for about a week or so uh, since I've been back, actually. So I'm wondering if the season's over. However, I didn't get a picture of this because it was too fast moving. But no, I was biking um, to the kids' school today. I saw someone was on a bike, and they had an upside down chair on the back of their bike that they were transporting, which I thought that would have been a great picture, but I wasn't fast enough on the draw. But yeah, I mean, I guess if you live in a dense city uh, where there's 
just trash people throw away. <laughs> people are just going to throw away chairs. I mean, they just kind of take them out there and dump them. And but is somebody <laughs> out there like you know picking them up and you know re, you know refurbishing them and you know and there's like some fancy high end chair you know, store that they're like I, you know art I, chairs. I, I every now and then I see people like remember in Labyrinth, there's like those old ladies in the trash dump looking through stuff. I assume they're ladies. Maybe they're just whatever they are but skexies or something <laughs> i think i think we're crossing our movies but we'll, let's well, call them skexies uh let's just call it 1986 okay that's right <laughs> but but you know i see people picking through the trash i mean i just said i did but uh yeah i think the trash people the garbage folks what are, what are you sanitation experts i don't know what to call them I in australia they, they call them garbos garbo <laughs> of course they do <laughs> Uh, I think they just come and pick them up and stick them in a truck and drive them off somewhere. It's just, uh, I don't know, man. People throw away a lot of chairs in this city. <laughs> that's, that's that's how it works. How did we uh, fix your bike? Yeah. <clears throat> Emax tramp mode. Yeah. Emax tramp mode. So congratulations on getting your talk accepted, Matt Ray. I, uh, I think well, everyone... Uh, I- I'm excited. I think everyone should go to emacsconf.org slash 2019. And I don't, do, do you register for this conference? Are they using Zoom or WebEx? What are they, <laughs> what are, they using? are they using Zoom? <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, they are not using Zoom. Uh, they're using, um, well, I need to record my talk. Uh, so my talk's going to be at like 6 a.m. ish. Uh-huh. So I'm going to pre record it because I'm, you know, I might sleep in. Who knows? Um, so I need to get it into video aug mode. And it's going to be in, in uh, some sort of web presentation software I haven't heard. Uh, Jitsi Meet. Jitsi Meet. Ooh, nice. Huh. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing Jitsi Meet is probably GPL licensed. It's free or software. Or AGP. Oh, yeah. This is free with the big F. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we can't have that uh, MP4 and Zoom kind of stuff messing with things. Well, I, that's that's good. You know, I was I was reading up one of our links uh, about about uh, Stallman that was in in the chat window, and and it kind of sent me off. You know, it, it was a it was a uh, a little a little rant about how uh, maybe he, he's not too helpful for the free software movement or whatnot. Well, not anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but just, just more of more of like in recent times since, uh, <laughs> according to this this poster, the eighties. Um, anyways, I don't really have an opinion of that. However, I did. I did. Uh, as often as the case, I was like, you know, I don't actually know what the GNU operating system is. Like, I mean, I know it says operating system, so I get that, right? Like, it's an operating system, but like. What is it? And so I started clicking on things and you go to some page and there's a list of the various distributions. And I was reading through lots of them. And, and I guess I guess it is like, you know, uh, kernel stuff that you compile into whatever. And like that, that's fine. But I, I just my whole point is I want to read this line. I forget which one it was. It, it was it was on. But I wanted to find out how I would install this stuff. And of course, you go into this part of computing that immediately my brain shuts off where it's like, get an ISO. And I'm just like, I'm done. <laughs> I don't. You're done. I'm out. I, I like know what that is, but I've spent so many years of my life trying to figure out what to do with that. And even on the Mac, I haven't looked at it in many years. But it's just like you would think on the Mac, this user friendly like Candyland, that you would have something that was like, I have an ISO image, and it would be like, ta da, and everything would be cool. But no, it still insists on you knowing what you're doing, which is not my strength. And uh, but anyways, I went to one of the distros and I was reading how to install it. And and it, and it said this: you get an ISO, and it goes over how to 
install the ISO, and, and, and I quote, it says, this portion assumes that you are already running a GNU Linux system, although, and they use a semicolon there, this portion assumes you're already running a GNU Linux system, semicolon, although there are some mentions of dual booting with non-free user subjugating mm. Windows, which <laughs> I think is, uh, I think that's fantastic. <laughs> So you're trying to get me kicked out of my uh, out of my uh, no <laughs> no 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 I I do not I am I'm throwing no shade on that at all I I you know when I was reading through all this stuff this is why it stuck in my mind and I brought it up is like I have not seen this much enthusiasm about computing in a long time I really like yeah. this passion and and it's yeah. it's fun like you read through the stuff and you're like oh I get it like I remember long ago when I first encountered this stuff and like these people and again I I'm not being like. Uh, sarcastic even though it sounds like i am like man they they really give a fuck about computers and uh that's great i you know i'm all for it i mean i obviously care about semicolons and uh the way that people case things and i have opinions about how 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 much oh don't get me started matt ray i i'm (laughs) you know what i i i have heard mention of uh non-free user subjugating m dashes when a simple hyphen would do and uh i know i'm you know you know i mean how easy is it to do an M dash versus a hyphen? Anyone can type a hyphen, but you have to know how to do an M dash. Like that's that's some kind of highfalutin bullshit right there. <laughs> we don't <laughs> we don't need our type system to be like you know a caste system of knowledge. It should be free. We don't need to subjugate people through uh, key combinations. That's that's my position. Mm. <clears throat> good one isn't it so uh i haven't read the uh detailed analysis of of, of meetup but uh it, so now every anytime i accept to go to a meetup group am i going to need to expense two dollars to pivotal because i'm going to it is is that, is that what's happening uh, or, or or do you now need to go sign up for every meetup for all your competitors hmm. like clicking on their ads <laughs> hmm. but what what, what what policy have they changed that guts guts everyone in a uh in a stinkinator well, um, I'm pretty sure that uh, you know Meetup is currently owned by by the Wii Company, mm. and this is supposed to probably offset their their uh, the IPO that they canceled. Um, <laughs> they're gonna they have decided that they want to start charging. Uh, I think it's one dollar, maybe it was two dollars per $2 attendee. Per- per attendee that's the that's yeah. their, their, and to be fair they're just testing it out so not necessarily everyone oh. but it sounds like but it does seem like uh at least the people the the twitter sphere we run in seems like people have been asked to pay the two dollars and are not happy i have has anyone actually been asked to pay two dollars yet or is it just like you know this is coming and everyone's like this is not happening now, now is it and, is it an attendee has to pay it or the organizers no the attendee attendee that's the well, big change right? somebody right I mean, probably they'll make an option so the organizers can pay for it. But it's like, I thought we were already paying for the meetup software. Mm, that's true. Yeah, so this is so this is you know, kind of right from the verge here. It's like prior to this test, the only people who are charged to use the service were event organizers. Organizers pay between $9.99 and $23.99 a month, depending on location and the subscription model of choice. This allows you to organize up to three groups, blah, 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 right? And so, so in the new payment version, Meetup is testing. The organizer's subscription uh, cost drops to $2 a month, and every member pays $2 to RSVP to an event. So they're trying to switch it from the organizers. Because I think generally, I don't know, I mean, I'm sure someone was upset, but I think generally... 
if you're organizing an event, it seemed like it was reasonable to, you know, pay some fee, right? Especially, sure. you know, you're probably getting some value there. So this is, and I think people are saying, so you can obviously do the math, right? If you have, I guess, more than 12 attendees to your meetup, then meetup is going to make more money by getting the $2 yeah. uh, from all, and from the per, attendees. So per meeting. Yeah, per meeting. And then of course, if you go to a lot of meetups or, you know, you, you know, for your job or thing, then you, you obviously would have to pay more. So, uh, it does seem, it does seem people immediately uh, are attributing this to, uh, well, two things happened. One, everyone thought this was WeWork's fault, which, again, like, why not? I mean, there have been a lot of problems there. seems like logically to blame them. Although I would love to know, because it seems like a change like this, you wouldn't just, immediately, you know, I don't think you'd make it, like, in the last few weeks. It seemed like there had to be some planning. Oh, so yeah. I, 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 I don't, that, I don't that's think. Just, yeah. I, I'm sure that, nobody was like. Whew, we called off the IPO. We really need to get two dollars from everybody in the meetup. <laughs> like, you know, this that's... is going to save us. <laughs> um, yeah, and I think they're happening. selling meetup, right? Aren't they? Isn't didn't we say they're going yeah, to? Yeah, I, I think divest it. You know, spin it back out or something like that. So, but yeah. I do think this this the reason is kind of interesting because I do think this comes up a lot in the open source software stuff. So, you know, as I've said many times before, probably on the show, it's like the worst thing you can do is to make something free and then try to take it back. Never do that, right? You, you always want to start charging. And if you, later on you want to make it free, you can't. So I think they are committing this cardinal sin. But it is, you know, it's kind of like an interesting question because so they're trying to like obviously monetize and make more money. feels like you know, they're not making enough money from, for whatever reason they think of. And so what has immediately sprung up is, I guess, two things. What was it? Free Code Camp is trying, oh, to, least, yeah. trying to develop yeah. an open source alternative to Meetup. So that's, I don't know how far along it is, but that seems to have sprung up pretty quickly. Yep. And uh, in addition, right, it seemed, and of course this has probably been going on for a while, like LinkedIn, our favorite our favorite website, LinkedIn, has also, um, looks like they're launching something that's going to compete with meetups as well as like Facebook uh, events. So, and that, yeah, mm-hmm. and that doesn't sound like a knee-jerk reaction either. I mean, if, if, you know, if you're sitting on top of the social graph of business, it's like, yeah, I mean, I've always wanted, you know, like I want to see who came to my event and the first thing I'm going to do is probably, you know, look them up on LinkedIn. So, you know, that's kind Seems of like, yeah, like I actually, I don't know, where does everyone stand on LinkedIn? I like LinkedIn. I know lots of other people. I see a lot of people complain about it, but I generally do use it. And I, 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 I think it's I, a natural extension of what they do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's, it's useful garbage. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, this, I mean, because you see this, I see this a lot, right, on Twitter. I won't, I won't name any names, but I see people like they'll say, like, "I am so tired of being uh, either contacted by recruiters or contacted by vendors." And I always think to myself, like, you can control that. You can actually make it very difficult. And if you go into the settings, oh, yeah. right, you can make it. Yeah. And it's but like I see, like, oftentimes, like, so it's like a weird. I don't know. It's like a weird humble brag. Is it just like people don't want to go into the settings? It's like you can make it almost impossible to contact you via LinkedIn. Um, but people, I don't know, either they don't know about it or they don't want to do that, but they want to complain about being contacted, well, which is always a weird thing to me. It's a little bit like, like Facebook's privacy settings, right? They're not exactly encouraging you to cut yourself off from the world, you know? And so Facebook's going to bury it and in, in things and LinkedIn, it feels like they move that stuff around a bit, you know, so you can't find it or, you know, things magically get you know, reset. So you start getting an email from recruiters again. So I get that, but you know what? What's what's the alternative, right? Nobody really wants to you know mail PDF, you know 
send PDFs of the resumes around. And when you want to look up somebody, you know, find out like what they've been up to, it's like, well, are you just going to send them an email? Like, hey, hey, are you still working at GitLab? You know, that kind of stuff. It's like, no, <laughs> you know, I just, I, I stalked right. them on LinkedIn. Yeah, yeah, tell, you know. tell me if, I, if I'm going a little too far here. Now. Just, you just bring me back in. I believe if you are such a person that is, uh, has the capacity to write a tweet complaining about getting too much, too much uh, connectivity or, or, or uh, inquiries on LinkedIn, you also have the skills to master the LinkedIn settings. I believe those two things are possible. Like that's a highly correlated. Man, uh, I don't know. Right? You know they're pr- am, they're I, am, I, the, am I going crazy here? They're probably the Twitter users who use the web interface and, and follow all the suggested follows. <laughs> okay. I just say you can make it. You can be done, though, for everyone that's uh, complaining about it. You, right? you know, you know uh, as, uh, what I've been doing in LinkedIn, this is a little game because, you know, I use it for, for business purposes, for my uh, business papers. Uh, but I go in and you can click on the three little dots and say unfollow people, which I, I do mm-hmm. for pretty much everyone. And, and the problem is <clears throat> many years ago, I had this theory that I should do things like take my address book and just upload it and add everyone in it. Uh, so I've got all this garbage in like LinkedIn. Oh, not, not I garbage, did that but really, just, but yeah, that's garbage. Yeah, and, and and there is no mass edit, right? Like, uh, you know, a while ago, several over the past few years, I've gone through Twitter and just like unfollowed everyone and then, you know, sometimes added people back or not. And uh, that is also not too easy but in linkedin it's even harder to just like do a mass edit if there was some way to like unfollow everyone in linkedin i would i would i would do that that would yeah i mean and 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 unconnecting your social graph is not easy no so like for that oh geez because you know i think yeah, because I've I've figured that out a few times. Because you know, you're like, oh, oh, that person. It says they work in like you know, uh, sales marketing. You're like, oh, okay, that sounds fine. And then it like you know, the next day their title changes to like you know, head recruiter. And you're like, ah, you know, they got me. And then yeah. you know, you go through your your LinkedIn and it's like, oh, you've got 400 connections, and you know, 200 of them are recruiters. And then you're just like, oh, I got to get out of these people, you know, because they're it's always rough. hitting you up. But but you know, what, what I was thinking when y'all are talking is like how how is it that like well this is a little a little rhetorical but like it, it's it's uh it's interesting that LinkedIn escapes all this like private privacy like you know uh, surveillance capitalism stuff and then like the uh, the consumer ones get all of the uh, the guff for it because like you know businesses use LinkedIn to find out shit about you to get money from you. Like that's yeah. pretty much like I I don't know what the percentage of revenue is. I, I mean, recruiting is the same thing, but it's sort of like you you put all this information out there and it gets it's searchable and gets used, and then you're kind of categorized. So so instead of like having ads or you know I don't know foreign spies targeted at you or whatever, like you get uh, you're getting marketers who want to sell stuff to you or get it in front of you, or you're getting salespeople who want to like find people to sell things to. Or you're getting recruiters who want to try to hire you, or you're one of those people who's in that system, or you're someone like me who just wants, you know, I just want people to click on a thumbs up for my content. But it's, <laughs> you're it's, like, read my book. Yeah, it's essentially like the super, like, you know, buttoned up business casual version of Facebook, and no one really like uh, gets all upset about it. I mean, as, well, I except if, for it being if that's garbage. Not looking. the reason why that you're kind of hitting on it is that like I think it's like it's almost like implicit, like what the arrangement is. Like if you're on LinkedIn, it's a professional a site. You well, expect- I'll tell you why. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the, the reason is it's not anonymous. 
Mm. Right. So uh, anonymity and, you know, because it's quote unquote business means that, you know, there's less, uh, you know, there's less fake news, right? There, there's, you know, people are going to be like, my business is the best. And you're like, okay, I get that. But they're not like, you know, uh, you know, Obama's a Kenyan. I mean, I mean, uh, an, uh, you know, a, a secret Muslim, you don't get that same kind of garbage. And, and so, hmm. you know, LinkedIn is an opt in, you know, social network that, yeah, there is some spam in there, right? But it's not nearly the, the you know, the hot trash that Twitter and Facebook are. And, this is you a know, good point. <laughs> you know, and LinkedIn's business model is not selling ads. It's selling that access to a well-curated social graph to recruiters. Mm. You know, so Facebook and, and Twitter, their whole business model is about pumping up numbers that are highly dubious, right? I mean, we, we've seen all the articles about Facebook telling, you know, these content uh, networks that, oh, yeah, you know, our videos get, um, you know, eight, 800% the, the views that, you you know, you were getting before, and it, it's killed entire media platforms, like, uh, you know, College Humor and others that went all in on Facebook, then it turned out like nobody was actually watching these things. So they had all these, you know, sketchy, sketchy numbers, like LinkedIn is actually a pretty solid business you know there's there's it's harder to be it's harder to to game linkedin yeah yeah it's more professional by design i suppose huh yeah yeah Mm -hmm. it's 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 also uh you know that that, i think that view on meetup going back to that it's uh it's another example of uh you know it's hard to uh provide something that's free or very cheap although it seems like I mean, I don't know. I'm I'm assuming a lot here. It seems like running Meetup would be a very cheap business at this point. I went I mean, exactly. They, they probably have hundreds of people who work for them. Like I was reading the uh, uh, there, there's another link we had in here that was about how uh, the Mozilla Foundation hadn't been using um, Facebook ads for some time, and there was this offhanded mention that there's like a hundred people who work in marketing for the Mozilla Foundation, and you know, I was doing the math in my head, and that's not incredibly astonishing, uh, but that is a lot of people. For I, I, yeah. So and and so equally, I'm imagining if that's kind of like a baseline for a company the size of Mozilla, I'm sure Meetup has lots of people uh, doing. Marketing. All right. Well, a little uh, real time follow up here. So, using our favorite site, LinkedIn, I <laughs> showing that uh, it says 850 employees for mm. Meetup. So let's assume that. You know, some of those aren't on there. So you're still probably looking at 600 plus people. So that's I mean, that's that's not cheap, right? That's a lot yeah. of people. Yeah. Although I do, you know, I wonder, so we, if we kind of always step back and we think, well, all the people at Meetup, right, they have intelligent people. They, they've thought it through. When they put out this $2 per, um, per I guess, uh, attendee, I'm sure they thought to themselves, well, there'll be some people blowback. But I wonder if it's one of these things where, you know, they say to themselves, that'd be fine. Like, we would prefer to just have a, a, a user base that wants to at least pay us $2 uh, for a meetup because yeah. it'll be smaller, but it'll be, to your point, it'll be less to, you know, just less data to maintain, less less relying on any type of advertising, if that's a business model. And, you know, maybe at the end, even with all that, if, if people, if there is an exodus, right, it's like, well, we're left with just a bunch of people that are willing to pay $2 you know, maybe that, maybe that base, that customer base, um, is worth it. It does seem like, like just on the face of it, it seems like it would, it would get real small, real quick, but you know, maybe they <laughs> actually done the math and figured out that actually, no, there are plenty, 
yeah, the, we'll be profitable and it'd be a much, to your point, it would be an easier business to run on an ongoing basis. Because, I mean, I'm sure they anticipated some blowback, right? I don't think they were like, yeah. oh, because anytime, you know, <laughs> no, back to the open source, as I think we all know, and, anytime and you can, open source, it, yeah. if you take something away, or you, or in this case, you, you make something chargeable, like, you know it's coming, right? When, Even when, when, when you do it. When, when, I, when I was quiet there a while back, I was actually reading this news. And uh, there, there was, there was, there was and, and, and I think your, your position's at, uh, probably internally is right, Brandon, because you read their uh, press release or whatever, their response. And, and, well, I should just open it because I can read it. But there's, there's, a, there's an exciting, uh, where is it, encoded thing that's like, uh, there have been reports on social media. And I, th- I think anyone, anyone, sometimes, anytime, one sometimes uh, uses the word social media, it's not in a good way. I don't think that's right. <laughs> we really have enjoyed the great uh, response we've had in social media. Oh, yeah, here it goes. This week, there has been a lot of confusion on social media around changes to Meetup's payment policies. So basically, yeah, they were like, hey, that's not your – whoa, hey, slow down. Which, you know, <laughs> this, was, this was also getting me to think about, like, you know – uh, you know, uh, we're, we're always, I don't know who we is, but you know, telling people you should, uh, you should experiment with your software and try new things out and do AB testing and bookings.com does 4,000 tests. And it's sort of like, but don't do this kind of test. <laughs> like, yeah. like, like there's a certain, there's almost a, uh, uh, it's, it's sort of like a halo effect sort of, or uh, in search of stupidity thing where you could find all of these people who failed their way to success by experimenting with things that didn't work. Uh, and then they were successful. But then there's also like when Netflix tried to split up its business or things like this, where people arguably I could see inside and, and they say this in the thing that there's like, you know, out of the probably tens of thousands, if not more of meetup groups, we picked like a hundred and uh, mm-hmm. wanted to trial out this idea. And now everyone thinks that we're the evil empire because we were just experimenting with something. Yeah. But if it, even even that, if you're like in that hundred, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you'd be like, hey, ah, social yeah. media. Yeah, right. So, so probably it's it's probably a, they it's, could have it's, it's like a business model chaos monkey. Just just see what happens. <laughs> That's right. But yeah. I do think anytime you're writing the blog post or the response and it starts with there have been reports in social media and you're and you're trying to clarify, you have by de facto lost. Right. This is the equivalent <laughs> of having to uh, like uh, in the open in the uh, free open source version of the product. We made a slight change, and we're now putting this in the proprietary open core. You know, it's like anytime you're writing that, you've completely lost, right? You've yeah. lost everything. Whatever you were going to gain from it has been lost. So it's not. And I think you know, um, and I do think you know, maybe the the instead of because this always happens too, like someone's going to quote unquote build the free version, which it's fine if people want to do that. But I also think like maybe it could just be like some constructive feedback could be. It's okay to charge for something. This charge, this model you've come up with is not what anybody wants, right? Yeah, like right. maybe charge, you know, for example, uh, people that, you know, and I do think as a general rule, like you can probably get more money from the organizers who are probably really are like actually getting some specific value from it, right? That's yeah. really where the value is, right? Well, I think, and, and as soon as you like divorce that, you're like, well, because think about all the meetups that you may or may not want to go to, or, you know, you're just sort of like, you're not necessarily going to like, it's not like you're going to a concert that has like an incredible mm. amount of uh, um, limited attendance. So it's like, I think in this case, they just really misaligned like who, uh, uh, who's yeah. getting the value. And yeah, that's, yeah. that's I mean, their key mistake. Well, well I, th- I think, I think to, to, to close it out, I mean, I think as, as y'all pointed out the, uh, uh, I saw that LinkedIn news and working in marketing, I was like, this sounds fantastic. 
right? Like, <laughs> what, exactly. Exactly. I, I, I enjoy what LinkedIn does, but you know what would be really great is if when someone comes and sees me talk at a meetup, it knows who the LinkedIn person is, and it shows up in Salesforce as like a lead of a thing that I went to, and then I win. Right? Like my and job that, is that, done. That's what you know. I mean, we we can we can armchair product market this thing, but that's what meetup should have done. They should have come up with yeah. some sort of like enterprise meetup where they're like you know what we'll do we'll curate this list and send you a report with linkedin profiles and you know we'll, yeah. we'll throw in into marketo and and dig up any sort of marketing information you know any sort of social media about the yeah. attendees and, and you know i you I give think, me that report i'll pay extra i think if, if they wanted to uh there should be a word for this there probably is if i knew like my mark michael porter strategy better but the, if they wanted to subsidize their revenue uh, by converting their users more into the product, right? Like there are plenty of marketing people who would gladly pay whatever money, I mean, not whatever money, but gladly yeah. pay for that kind of system. Um, and it could be all opt-in or whatever. It would just be nice. But, you know, we're talking about correlating data together, making connections that seem obvious, not always difficult. Sometimes you got a lot of different data out there. You want to like pull it all together, maybe in one virtual or physical centralized place, look over it. Is there some kind of a tool, Matt, that you might use that will help you gather up all this information and make sense of it? Oh, yes, there is. It's, it's uh, uh, especially if it's logs. <laughs> so this episode is sponsored by SolarWinds and one of their APM tools, Logly. No one wants to find out about a critical operation issue on Twitter. With SolarWinds Logly, you can spot issues before they affect users by setting up alerting that will notify you immediately when a problem arises. Why stop there? Take it further and proactively monitor your applications using the Logly charts and dashboards to help you visualize what matters and quickly spot patterns across dynamically changing and interconnected services, events, and issues. Connect the dots across your log data with Logly. Logly is scalable cloud-based log management that won't break the bank. Plus, SDT listeners get a special 20% off your first yearly contract of Logly from now until December 31st, 2019, when you mention that you're a listener of Software Defined Talk. New customers only, void where prohibited. To try it for free for 14 days, just go to logly.com slash SDT, all lowercase. If it logs, it can log to Logly. Well, uh, we've got two ads, so I've got a small geographic oddity for you. Uh, and this oddity was, uh, I w I, when I was in Austin, that was last week, I think. Uh, and I, I saw, I was watching some presentations from some people from, uh, BT British telecom, and they were making a, a, a sort of an allusion to bats because there's bats under the Congress bridge. And they said, we've been out to see the bats for the last, uh, two nights and uh, we haven't seen any bats. So we're going to go again. <laughs> tonight and hopefully we'll see some bats so the geographic oddity where did the million bats go yeah you've you've heard a lot about these austin bats sometimes they don't show up that just like when you go on whale watching so don't uh you know just be happy with what you have just keep walking south uh, a little Mm. bit of a a hike go get a margarita or a shirley temple or an ice cream whatever it is you're in for and uh, don't worry about it maybe the bats will be around next time and and really they're just bats just little black specks that fly through the well, air. You know, I, I, I actually, I took a, uh, a crocodile cruise uh, on my recent vacation. They guaranteed we'd see crocodiles. <laughs> Did they let you eat some afterwards? <laughs> uh, not this trip. <laughs> <laughs> we've, we've, got a, we've got a two-sighting guarantee for crocs. 
that's exciting. <laughs> oh no. Well, you know, you know, let's say you were running some sort of servers on that boat that were allowing people to like do some sort of augmented reality to look out where crocodiles were and maybe simulate if they were riding a crocodile. Like what was his name? Zardaran or Zartan and G.I. Joe? Zardaran's the seasoning and Zartan's the G.I. Joe guy, right? You probably use Zardaran on your croc. <laughs> or an alligator. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> you know, I brought back some uh what's what's that Cajun stuff in a box that has like the uh not not the, the well it's got a cartoon so you got Zardaran and then you got Chef Paul Prudeau and then you got the other one that's like this cartoon guy with glasses and I forget what his mm. name is but I bought back a box of that gumbo stuff so delicious it was like a little taste of home in a box anyways let's say you've got these servers to run your augmented reality stuff and you know you've got Matt Ray there and he's got a crocodile uh, guarantee mm-hmm. and a server goes down and you're not sure if you can fulfill that guarantee and he's going to have to be refunded his uh, $30 Australian, about, you know, $10 US or so. And uh, so, Brandon, is there something you might use to be notified that these servers are down? There is. We'd like to welcome a new sponsor to the show, PagerDuty. So, of course, this episode is brought to you by PagerDuty. In an always-on world, teams trust PagerDuty to help them deliver a perfect digital experience to their customers every time. With PagerDuty, teams spend less time reacting to incidents and more time building for the future. From digital disruptors to Fortune 500 companies, over 12,000 businesses rely on PagerDuty to identify issues and opportunities in real time and bring together the right people to fix problems faster and prevent them from happening again. We're like the essential nervous systems for a company's digital operations, so we can analyze digital signals from virtually any software-enabled systems and help you intelligently pinpoint issues like outages, as well as capitalize on opportunities empowering teams to take the right real-time action. To see how companies like GE, Vodafone, Box, and American Eagle Outfitters rely on PagerDuty to continuously improve their digital operations, visit pagerduty.com. Again, that's pagerduty.com. And we thank both them and SolarWinds for being such great sponsors of the show. So speaking of uh, people changing things around, there was, uh, I think, I think uh, GitLab had had a policy you know, kind of in the spirit of we're going to screen customers we sell to. And, and I think I, I, I didn't realize this till I was rereading through it, but I think the register found this in their, uh, their change logs, I guess, in their, <laughs> in their Git or something, which, which yeah. you know, I read that in the register and I was thinking like, wow, register reporters are like sitting there watching, uh, you know, no. and change stuff. And then I realized like, <laughs> yeah. oh, no, someone probably sent this to them. Uh, yeah, which, yeah. Which uh, seems more realistic. But listen, I mean, I mean, there, there's, there's a lot going on there. But I was reading through. I was like, you know, I finally need to like really know what it is GitLab does, and so I wanted to introduce, a, a, you know, one of our occasional segments, educate Cote. Now, <laughs> I went, I went over, I searched like, like a, as my son would say, a noob. I went to the Google and I typed in GitLab, and the first thing that came up was an ad, which I of course, you know, an ad for GitLab, which I clicked on, and I was reading through it, and and and. Uh, I'm a little like, it seems like GitLab, I think what they do is everything that you would need (laughs) in like the cloud native kind of space, except from what I can tell, and I only mean that about an eighth facetiously, they, they basically curate together a stack of software for your version control, doing your project management, as we used to call it, your Kanban boards and tracking, you know, your features. And then they have a CICD thing. Uh, and then I don't, I didn't look at that enough. And then they also have a way of like 
setting up Helm and configuring Kubernetes and then some monitoring as well and then maybe some security verification stuff. And so it seems like if you, I don't know if it's, I guess literally it's like $19 a month per user to buy support from them. But if you bought into or metaphorically bought into, you would have like, I, I guess like the words for this is confusing nowadays, but you'd have like the tool chain management thing on top of this kind of an opinionated pulled together in a good way jumble of stuff that was like your development stack for doing software is well, that like i think you just going on a, <laughs> i think you nailed it um i mean not, uh, yeah, not that i, mean, I know you, anything about what they do but that's just my impression. right right no no i mean we, we we've kind of talked about you know, the, the batteries included model versus, you know, being like, you know, the, the one tool that does one thing really, really well. And, um, and, and so GitLab's approach is, you know, there, you, you pretty much have, you know, three major choices when it comes to your source control for, you know, Git, you got, you know, you got GitHub, GitHub enterprise, you got Bitbucket and you got GitLab. And, you know, that is kind of a commoditized space. You know, they all, if that's all you're doing, each one of them is fairly similar, you know, a little bit here and there. But the way you add value to that is you're like, well, what's the next thing that people do? Well, they're going to they're gonna put it into CICD, right? And mm-hmm. so each one of those players has, uh, you know, each one of those players has, you know, their version of CICD. Um, you know, Git, GitHub recently introduced Actions, GitHub. Uh, you know, GitLab, uh, you know, Bitbucket had Bamboo and now they've got whatever the replacement for that is. And, you know, and so GitLab has, you know, their CICD. And then, you know, you usually end up tying that to like, uh, you know, uh, an artifact repository or, you know, scanning tools and, you know, other testing tools. It's like, well, the other vendors start to like, you know, peel back away from that and, and say things like, you know, oh, there are lots of ways you can do that. Here's how we interact with, you know, the, three market leaders in that space mm. and GitLab's like, we got this. And you know, they're like, we'll do that too. And then you're like, and that software is going to get deployed to a machine. And then, you know, GitHub's like, you should probably use something like Terraform and GitLab's like, we got this. And so like the GitLab experience is a fully curated, you know, end to end software lifecycle to deployment model. I see. And you know, you know, so which means like, if you're in on GitLab, you know, and you drink, you know, the, you know, the whole experience and, you know, you are a GitLab shop. I see. So um, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of like the, the YAML version of the rational dream, which is like, you just like yes. buy into this one company and you got all your shit that, that you yeah. ever need. Yeah. And, and, and there's definitely, you know, there's definitely a strong call for that in a lot of shops, right? Yeah. Not everybody wants to be. Like, you know, oh, what's the best to breed? And, you know, we'll glue these three tools together. Some people are like, look, can I just have somebody do that for me? And, you know, you tell me how to do it and I'll do it because, you know, we got to get back to, you know, selling banking. Yeah. 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 I like, you know, to that point, I liked the their potential here to marketing where they're like, we will implement your DevOps. Just like <laughs> meeting over. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's where I they, think, I mean, they that's even, where we're talking about them. Right. They even it have one. The, they have one called the DevOps score. Get an overview of how you, well your organization is adopting DevOps to see impact on your velocity. And uh, yeah. I, don't, I don't know what that does, but I'm I'm all for it. I want to know about well, my impacted velocity. You, in this case, you I'm, can buy your DevOps. I say I know we covered it. I think we mentioned it when it happened, but it is. I mean, 
it's worth noting because I have seen more GitLab recently, um, and you know, by no means is that a statistically valid uh, survey. But we did talk about it when it happened. So they did raise two hundred sixty-eight million uh, not too long ago on a uh, two point seven billion dollar valuation. So it's amazing. I, I, I don't know if it's. Uh, I feel like it's like sneaky big, you know, I don't know. I just, it's yeah. not like I didn't know about them, but I just was like, I never thought, um, it was a business quite this big. So they have definitely, you know, well, they are well, definitely think, doing think, something right. I think they, they have, they have one of our favorite, uh, webpage slide things. They have the, uh, the entire portfolio in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven columns. So I think I think I can take a screenshot of this and make it the the the, the show, show art, the, the cover art. But, right, right. but it is. Well, like they actually have the strategic roadmap. Yeah, Kota, you need to check that out. I think we talked about this well, a couple of episodes too. Like you uh, need to, the strategic roadmap is a uh, it's a Git document, right? You can go in there, right? You can actually just see that, and they have like you know they actually like one of the commits is like when they're gonna like I think their IPO is like a year. That's their goal. So it's just like you can just read it. It's, huh. So it's sort of. Uh, I, I credit them as, you know, it is funny because I know maybe we should talk briefly about their code of conduct and things like that, but they do tend to use Git, you know, in these unusual ways. But for them, I think it works. Like, why not just put everything in and just make it a commit? And, you know, like, it's, well, it's just yeah. an interesting way to, like, uh, both promote the product and, I guess, run the company. I think, I don't know if it would work many other places, but certainly, you know, if you're if you're building your whole company around yeah, Git, yeah. sure, like, why not? Try it. And, yeah, and, and that's what, you know, talking about you know social media reports um <laughs> that's where this thing blew up right is is probably uh you know the folks at the register and other um you know reporting saw somebody on twitter saw, saw the commits about um you know gitlab's approach to uh you know working with um well to, to quote the, the register uh non-evil customers uh <laughs> being time consuming and potentially distracting you know not wanting to to pick and choose their customers and um yeah so people noticed that and you know in the git commits and you know a day later there was a retraction of that but that you know let me tell you being in that tempest for uh uh, 24 hours is not a lot of fun. Not fun. And so, is this the first time <laughs> we could say the uh, the Git commit broke marketing? Like, I feel like this is like uh, mm. it's, a, it's a new it's like a new pre- precedent. It didn't just break the entire build, right? Your CICD just uh, you know you the whole thing, mm. the whole company. Talk just, about uh, IT business alignment. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that <laughs> yeah, is, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I mean, it does can't raise you just like reject that pull request. <laughs> that's right. Um, but it does, you know, I as we see this happening more and more, right? Where people sort of like, you know, make one policy, then have a change of heart. I just, I wonder if, you know, if you're not running, if you're running any company, like I think that has some type of large community, which is a lot of us. It's like, it does seem like getting ahead of this, right, right now, like defining a, defining your policy proactively. It's, it's like code of conduct. So I, I remember for a little while, like, um, like, I don't know, conferences maybe didn't have a code of conduct or they weren't discussed and then it sort of like blew up. And now I think most conferences, they have some type of code of conduct, like proactively. So it feels like every company probably is, you know, starting to figure out like, what's our position on this? Cause like, I don't know, waiting to do it and then announcing it without getting a lot of buy-in seems to not be the right way to do it. So, um, I'm interested to see if a bunch of companies kind of come out and, you know, take a stance proactively so they don't get into this trouble going forward. So, so one, yeah. I like this suggestion uh, that's scurrying around uh, kind of a few layers back from things you said. You, you keep saying we've, we've talked about this before as if I like remember and, uh, you know, <laughs> which, which clearly I don't. Uh, so that, that's a fine comment. No, no, I'll give you the outcote. It's possible. 
you weren't on that episode, but I know uh, you listen to every episode diligently. Yeah. So I, 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 I was, you, you just, know, you that's probably, why you're misremembering. You were probably discussing it, and it was that day when the uh, the pedal fell off of my bike, and I had to deal with that, and so I couldn't take it. The shin, the shin. Yeah. Oh, and it wasn't that bad, but but you know, I you know, do you think do you think when they were pitching that for that money, they were basically like, imagine Red Hat without an operating system, and that is what we are going to be is the next red hat. Cause like, you know, it's rare that, and maybe red hat has this, but like red hat has a similar sort of, or could have a similar 11 column thing of like, this is the red hat stack of everything. Right. Like if you just went like whole hog red hat and you're like, if it's not in red hat, let's see how many times I can say red hat. If it doesn't come installed on that, we're not going to use it. And if it's not supported, well, they're, by them. They're, they're definitely headed that direction, right? They, they've made that pivot from being, you know, uh, well, we're the guys you get your Linux from, to, well, we have this OpenShift thing, and here's all the tooling that will get you from yeah. a from you know your source code currently in GitLab <laughs> or you know Bitbucket, uh, the, but from there on, it's a Red Hat path into you know OpenShift. That's there, or you know they're working towards that. Yeah, definitely. So, so so that that's you know I'm 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 warming up to this now that I, a pedal hasn't fallen off of my mental bike. Uh, but you know, so then another thing. This is another broader question. So if I look at this right, and I think about um, I don't know, I you know. The, the combination of even, you know, what, what people in the Cloud Foundry world does, whether it's Pivotal or IBM or, or other people, right? And you were to take kind of the maximal portfolio that they have. Like, it's not an exact one-to-one mapping, but you could pick out individual components of like a full platform-as-a-service stack and be like, yeah, we have that too. We just don't talk about it, which is not to say, mm-hmm. so this is, that's just the, 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 the forward to the thought, like, well, is it better to talk about it? Like, is this view of 11 columns generally better than the view of just, like, a layer of abstraction uh, that, that people have? Like, is it actually better for adoption and is it not adoption, adoption in IT uh, that you kind of go over all the nuts and bolts and you talk about them a lot versus, like, no, 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 it's a black box. We got everything solved. And my only comment before I open up the floor for uh, discussion uh, is, I mean, I feel like this 11-column approach, as we'll call it, is why is a huge reason why Kubernetes was successful. And to a limited extent, Docker, right, is because they were basically like, there wasn't this, um, well, and this was much to my consternation. My complaint always with Kubernetes was like, every time someone new comes in the Kubernetes world, I'm like, oh, it doesn't do that already? I should go study again. Uh, but right. like basically in the Kubernetes world, it was this very bottoms up all these little components and bits and bobs. I'm too close to England, apparently, that like you uh, you got to know how to use. And like that's what all the discussion was. And then it was rained back and it turned out that it was a platform and you shouldn't have to know about all this stuff, even though it's what we talked about for many years. But like, I don't know, maybe this approach is better or not. Well, I mean, it, it definitely it definitely has worked for Microsoft. Yeah, see, there you go. Good case study. Excellent. Yeah, and and you know the the rest of the world was, you know, trying to put together best of breed tools, and so that that's literally you know the split is: are you going to build your own stack, or are you going to take someone's stack and run with it? And you know, I GitLab has a a very very aggressive eleven column stack here. 
Um, <laughs> and, you know, maybe it's going to take $260 million to, to ride all this. Um, but this is a really moving target. And um, I don't know. I mean, it, it, it's it's do you want to deal with this or do you want to let your vendor deal with it? And, yeah. you know, you can you can you can, you know, if you maybe if you kill like three or four columns and condense them into one, that's a good, you know, best of breed product. Because, uh, yeah. you know, you, well, you well, can let, you can let's do a little ahead. product managing. I'm going to say I'm, I'm, I'm a big uh, I'm a big GitLab strategist person. I'm going to say first thing we ask is that monitoring column. That's we don't yeah. we don't need that. Like I mean that's 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 cool, but like that's a whole other thing that we're we're doing here now. Now my own, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna pass it on to my. Uh, there's three people in the GitLab corporate strategy group. You know we've met with the the board and other people, and you know we got some. You know we got our fresh starched uh, button up shirts on. A little a little warm under the collar though. But you know then we got a we got a war room. We got we got four weeks till the next meeting where we go over our big plan. Uh, so we're gonna act some monitoring and guys, and for some reason it's only guys. I apologize, uh, but like we can't get rid of security. We gotta have security, so that's gotta stay in. But we gotta axe two more of them. What do we? What else are we gonna axe? Oh, that's easy. <laughs> the defend. I mean, the defend oh. is like, oh, uh, you huh. don't. You're 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 you're. What you do is in the name of your company. You're get right. You're the source and. What happens to your code after it's deployed? That's not your problem. I mean, mm. it is your problem, mm. but you know you can't you can't do everything. You've got to so, you've got to harden, but not defend. Well, yes, yes, you have to make sure that the stuff you're putting out is ready for the world. But you know, the world is a big place, and and you can't you can't own the entire life cycle. So, uh, um, I think the defend and monitor that's just that's a bite too much. Yeah, yeah, that's true, and you can you can collapse those two together essentially, uh, you know, because I I think, yeah, yeah, that's that's okay, that's pretty good. I mean, everything on the right is 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 fair game, right? So, you know, defend, monitor, configure. It's like, look, you built your software. Where it ends up, that shouldn't be your problem, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas the other ones, you know, there's a lot of like, and, and oh yeah, the other ones make sense. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they they do they do lead with this. It's a it's it's a complete DevOps platform. So you got that. But then it's like with GitLab, comma, you know I don't know what it is, but that I know that use of comma is correct, but it's always bothered me. Like speaking of m dashes, like it's there's something going on there that I don't understand. I, it unnerves me. I, I, I blame Grammarly when I when I'm typing and it's like you need more, more commas. I'm like, if you say so, Grammarly. Yeah. No. I I mean I mean like again <laughs> again my 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 intuition is that that comma is totally correct. We need like Bridget to come on here and tell me. But despite it being correct, like every time I encounter a comma like that, it just like, it's like, it's like, you know, when you're eating, uh, you know, you're eating like some food and some, some lettuce and there's like a little stone in there that you bite all of a sudden and you're like, ah, I didn't wash this thoroughly enough. It's like that uh, kind of feeling when I encounter that uh, comma. So with GitLab bite on a stone, you get a complete CICD tool chain out of the box. Boom. I think that's your thing right there, right? Yeah, CICD that's pipeline. great. And, and, uh, and, you know, the, and their competition is definitely headed into that. But you don't see, for now, you don't see, you know, GitHub and Atlassian saying, hey, we're, we do monitoring. Because hmm. as, as, as we're acutely aware, monitoring is a big space. And, you know, there's always new players and new twists on it. <sighs> to think you do it is kind of, you know, uh, I don't know. 
it would be dope, but like as we prepare for the board meeting, I, I think you know, the <laughs> first thing we would have to do is uh, run down, do some quick cohort analysis to see how big the companies are, oh. you know, target addressable market is. Because the one place, like, is if you're with the sales guys, so the sales guys, the first thing um, when the VP of sales, when we start saying we're taking stuff off, he's freaking out. No, I need that. No, I need that. So, so the reason, the place that this, if you saw, uh, and I feel like maybe this is just where I've encountered it. It is, if you will, uh, smaller companies that are more likely to just want to, you know, if you will, have have one thing, right? Like, hey, let's like maybe this isn't as good as kind of all the various um, best of breed tools, but we're not that big, and we'll live with, you know, uh, because typically the trade off there, right, is you'll live with some limitations in like the verify or any of these other or the, even the monitoring, sure. um, because it's uh, it's one place for us just to pay, and uh, it's good enough. So, if you found that. Um, that was aligning, right? In that case, like the, probably the VP of sales isn't in the room because you're doing a lot of small transactional deals. So they're probably not that worried about it, right? They're just sort of, you know, if you, it's an inside sales model. Um, and so in that case, you know, you can kind of see we're like, hey, we can just do enough here and this is what lets us win. But, but for sure, um, and we can see because they have the IPO and they raised all this money, they're going to have to sell to the enterprise. And when they do that, um, that is going to be kind of a confusing conversation, right? If you, especially, I even like how they have the logos kind of like of the competitors, uh, like, right, kind of like right, flashing. Yeah. Is it because that you know you're going to walk into a room and be like, oh yeah, we already have that. We have uh, one of those, and we have you know we have one of those, and and so you're going to have to then uh, explain to the customer why either they need to replace it or they're they're not going to be charged twice because they're not going to use some mm-hmm. some piece of that functionality. Right, right. Um, yeah, you know, so you know in, in, our, in our board approach. meeting, I, I forgot about this, our board meeting, we're going to pull the IDC black book, and underneath each of those columns, we're going to do the, uh, you know, market value, the, the TAM for like 2025 or so. And you, we might even put a CAGR on there to show the growth. So we've got it all in sort of each of these columns represents a uh, market value. Then we're going to have some appendix slides that estimate, do some sort of like, you know, cheapo Excel-based uh, money, money Python uh, simulation where you go through and figure out like what kind of share of that market you might get depending on things. Money Python it is a great, simulation. This, this is a great uh, CFO slide though, right? Because for sure they've done that. And then that's how you get to these huge valuations. You're just like, well, you know, this is a seven trillion dollar market. So we're just, you know, so, you know, so of course we're worth two point four billion dollar market. So Brandon, you know, by the time Brandon, you do all the math. What do you cut? Huh? What column do you cut out? You know, um, you know, as I always say, you can't take anything away. I'm probably in the room advocating for not adding any columns. That's probably what oh, I'm at. I somebody like probably Third wants option. to add something. Third new. Oh my god. Yeah. There's like somebody's like, oh, you know what we need? We need this other thing, right? We need some uh there there's probably like an AI you know, uh, oh, kind of project no. that's going on. Stay, and I'm, out, I'm just, stay out of the room. Mysterio. I'm in the room. I'm just saying like, no, we don't need that. In fact, we need to make what we have here works and we need to maybe, you know, actually say, you know, whatever we think our functionality is a little weak. Right. Yeah. That's probably what I'm, I'm but Brandon, Brandon, for. I could totally um, close that $2 million deal. <laughs> if we had me new, if we had machine learning and new Fredonia, it's just yeah. waiting. They really <laughs> like our brand. Learning. We just need machine I'm, learning in there. Why don't we have yeah. that? You got to add. Yeah. That. I think it's, uh, I think though, if I had to pick one, right, I think it would be the plan, right? Because yeah, I feel like that's yeah. uh, such that's such an area that's so dominated, in my opinion, by like uh, Jira, right? Like if it's I'm, tough. Uh, it's tough. And that's, um, that's competitor though, right? That's Atlassian, who makes Bitbucket, who's your number one competitor. I know. But number, I just gotta you know, say, like, I, I mean, if I'm being honest, if I'm again in the boardroom, I'm like, Jira has won oh. this space, and this is what I would say back. You know, they gave up against Slack. What was the thing that they built? Like that was the Slack competitor. Yeah, exactly. They, they were smart enough. 
you they, can't no, give up was, because that's no, that's no. The, the the camel's nose in the them. tent. No. That's gonna the, it's gonna this, bring. This, I would turn around. I'd say Jira was smart and successful because they knew when they weren't gonna win, and it is so easy and so cheap to pick up Jira. I don't think this is an area no. that we're we're gonna get. Uh, that's that's where I would be fighting off. That's no, probably if I had to pick. To the but again, I would. I go back to what I said before. I would not. I would probably be advocating for just keeping the AI machine learning, uh, whatever thing off the off the eleven. Two million dollar uh, deal, that, Brandon. That's on your I'd head. I'd be fine with it. That's on I'd your head, like, yeah. Brandon. I'd be like, I'm out. AI, you slap AI in this, and we can raise a, an F round that valuates us as seven billion. I am out. I am out. When they, when they when they put the AIs and if and and for God forbid someone put up a slide with blockchain, I am just I'm walking out of the meeting. I'm just I'm leaving. I'm just, I, I, this all I am immediately walking out of the meeting and, and going to LinkedIn to look for another job. I have I have about four or five follow on items and let me just run through them and then we can get to recommendations and close the show out. <laughs> One one, I once ran into someone who said they were working on applying blockchain to uh, hypervisors, and I tried to ask what that meant, and I don't think I got an answer. But, you know, you know what do they say? Vaya con Dios. Enjoy. Uh, also, uh, I think we have, we've discovered a new podcast that we should do called uh, Simulated Strategy Room. Because I, I, think, oh, I think this discussion we've had, uh, I, I don't know if I feel happy about this or sad, but it very closely mirrors every single pre-wiring and, and planning meeting I had when I worked on strategy. Just like yes. all sorts of play, it's fantastic. So we did a good job there. I think I think we could look at some portfolios every episode and just like say, all right, here's what we got to do. It's I, you know, we could we could walk through that easily. And then third, I think your role as uh, I don't know what else to call it, but the thirteenth man, Brandon. The uh, you're not going to work in the constraints. You're going to come up with something else helpful and be like, I'm not going to take anything away. As asked, I just want to make sure we don't add anything. You always <laughs> got to have that role. That. This is this is this is a, a, a not even a scenario. This is something we hadn't even considered a, a, a way of thinking about it that that should be there. Now, as as we were walking through that, I think I think just my closing. There's two more things. One, I think if you look at this manage column, that's a great word. Manage, very powerful word. I think huh, I think so maybe good. manage security number one word. If you have security, you're going to get that two million dollars from New Fredonia. You're set. You got to have security. And, uh, you know, create, that's pretty good package, but manage, that's a good word. So you don't want to lose that word and check out that sweet icon. I mean, you're managing stuff going up, but let's look at what's in manage audit compliance, authentication, authorization, DevOps score, value stream management. Now, I think what you could do is you could eliminate this manage column and you could move audit management and authentication and authorization. Well, authentication and authorization, that's going to be... That's in, that's in security. That's jettisoned. Now, however, to read their copy, they've got one permission model, which is fine. But is this a permission model across the tools or a permission model that you're putting in your application code, right? Like if it's a permission model across your tools, that, that's fine. But that doesn't need to be like a thing. Hey, they can open a new offensive against Active Directory. Yeah. There you go. But, <laughs> so I, I, think, I think maybe Jeez. you play down the authentication authorization thing and you're just like, this is just the way that we unify all these tools together. It's not actually a feature. And then I don't really know what DevOps score. I kind of read the value stream management thing and it looks like you tag various uh, activities in your plans uh, with a little tag and then it kind of tracks as it moves through, your, uh, through the pipeline, the time that it's in there and then you can remove waste from it. 
But, you know, I have no idea what they do. Uh, so you kind of eliminate that column, and then you take some of that, was it $260 million? And you go buy yourself a task top, and you stop competing with, like, Atlassian and everyone. And just like, hey, we integrate with everyone, and we bring you all this great analytical information and task top. And this dude wrote a book called Flow that kind of, like, summarizes the whole way you should think about things in this world. And there you go. You got a spicy meatball that, uh, that you can run with. That's, that's what I want to pitch to the board. Is that, is that going to work out? I like it. I think it's like it. uh, it's uh, it's definitely worthy of uh, a few slides. We'll see what the board directors has to say. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll have to. We'll come back to them with that Monty Python simulation. See how it works out. <laughs> uh, well, there's a lot of conferences going on. I I would uh, I would I would suggest you go to softwaredefinedtalk.com/slash/201 because this is the episode number. We've mentioned Emacs Conf coming up on uh, November second. <laughs> You should totally yeah, go into that. It's got uh, it's, Matt Ray's going to show you how to edit files over a connection. It's going to be great. And uh, is there any any one conference you want to highlight in particular, Matt Ray? Uh, well, you know, obviously, uh, watch me talk. Um, it's it's online, so it's not too big a deal. And uh, we've already highlighted. Uh, that I mean, in an addition. Yeah, I know. I know. I, I don't really have a whole lot else going on right now. I'm <laughs> I'm I'm. I'm uh, going to the the kubernetes uh sydney thing in december but just as an attendee the kubernetes forum sydney mm, mm. uh so you know I, I i'm like gonna learn me some more kubernetes yeah but uh, bring your toga. I, i'm not talking right now uh so. so also there's uh we've got a discount for a delivery conf in seattle and also a delivery i mean uh we've got a delivery of a discount we also have a discount code for kubecon north america uh, that's coming up in November very soon, and uh, Delivery Conf is in uh, January. But if you go to softwaredefinedtalk.com uh, slash 201, you can find those codes. Do we have any listener feedback to go through, uh, Brandon? Yeah, a bunch. We uh, so, see this week I sent some stickers to Jed from Austin, local here. I like that. He says we're awesome, so we appreciate that. Send Alex some stickers in the UK. He just got a new laptop, so we needed to give it some character. And we also sent a bunch of stickers to Mark in West Hartford, Kevin in Chicago, and Trevor in Royal Oak, Minnesota. So as always, happy to send stickers to anyone in the world. If you want one, don't have one, send me your postal or mailing address to stickers at softwaredefinedtalk.com. Again, that's stickers at softwaredefinedtalk, softwaredefinedtalk.com. Easy for me to say. And I'll be happy to send you a sticker pretty much anywhere in the world. It's it's okay. By episode three hundred one, I will definitely remember things we've talked about, and uh, we'll be able to say the URLs easily. Well, also in highly related sticker news, big big uh, big part of the software defined talk community, Jordy, he uh, he joined GitLab, and uh, he had a great picture of uh, the for him. I assume one of the the two best stickers on there. He's got a GitLab sticker and a software defined talk sticker. So good job there. I'm not really sure who this other person is, but I like that sticker. Uh, of whoever that is uh looks cool so uh he's a good demonstration of what you can do with these stickers so uh you should join the slack channel uh you go to that same place do you want me to repeat it softwaredefinedtalk.com and we got all sorts of other stuff in the uh, what was it called social media you can go oh, you not them again the the rumors <laughs> that we are in social media are both confusing and true uh, so you can check us out all over the place there. So uh, with that, what do you have to recommend this week, Brandon? Well, as uh, we didn't get a chance to talk about it, but uh, you know, Amazon just finished their major migration off Oracle. So I'm preparing for uh, you know the home upgrade here at the uh, my data center here in Austin. So that means I have to upgrade my Mac 
to uh, you know the latest version, which of course, so I've been trying to understand what will what I will break. So unfortunately, my old scanner software it didn't make the the 64-bit uh, leap, so it's it's dead. So I went out and in preparation for that, uh, I found myself a, a, a new Epson scanner. I like it, it's super fast. So it scans uh, both uh, front and back, and it does, of course, optical character re- recognition, so that later on I can quickly search to figure out what I scanned and what I lost somewhere on my computer. So, uh, and I did I did the checking. It looks like because all scanning software, as far as I can tell, is awful. Um, but the <laughs> fact that all you really need, I, I don't know. Nobody puts any effort into the hardware's good for all the scanners. The software never that good. But uh, from what I can tell, it looks like it will run on the new what is it, the Catalina? So if the kids are running, so uh, I should be good to go. And I'll have to go uh, see see if I've gotten rid of all my old software once and for all, and I can do the upgrade. We'll mm. see. Can you imagine okay. what a, what a revolution it would be in our lives if software associated with printers and scanners was really good? Oh that my would, god! Well, <laughs> well that, that that that's what I was about to say. Like, um, I've got an Epson scanner that's pretty freaking old, and I don't use any of their software. The Mac OS supports it natively. Yeah, the Twain, so, the, the the infamous Twain. Am I saying that right? Yeah, yeah. Twain driver. So uh, it does. I I agree, and that's what the one I mean, of the reasons I, I went just, there. Yeah, image capture on the macOS. Like, I, I don't know if I have any Epson software installed anymore. Yeah, and I've got some, you know, cheapo, cheapo Epson scanner. It was it was cheaper to buy one of those combo printer scanner fax machines oh than to buy a dedicated scanner. Yeah. I will say, I, dog, to- I do think there's some stuff that the the Epson scanner software. Oh, I'm like sure, a little I'm bit sure. better. But I, I, to your point, like generally speaking, if you're going to buy a scanner and you're worried about this at all. Epson does, they have at least taken the time to write the Twain driver, which is sort of the holy grail. Uh, Fujitsu, who I think makes really good scanning hardware, uh, they don't care. They don't care about standards. You're stuck. They, I don't know what, I, they don't have the capability to hire people that write Twain drivers because you're not getting any help there. But Epson, it does. So it is. So if you're going to pick one, Epson seems like the way to go. And uh, and again, I'm, I'm probably too hard on it. The software they deliver, it works. It's just not it's that just pretty. Crappy. You know? it's not, it's not <laughs> yeah. Crappy. But uh, it's like. But you're right. You can use a lot. It's built in. It supports a lot of other stuff. Yeah. Mm. You know, after we fix that, like, uh, have you ever been in a situation where you're like, I'd like to print a picture. I have this paper that's like, I don't know what the measurements are over here. A some bullshit. But like, you know, it's it's like three inches by four inches. I told you it's a three inch by four inch piece of paper. Here's a file I want printed on it. I want I want just that option. Three by four inch paper. Here's the picture. Go. And just like put it on the paper. All right. That's like listen, my that I, is my challenge for the printing industry. Just make listen, I put that on the backlog. It's right behind paste without formatting. Uh that that's the other thing that we're still working on. That's uh when we get paste without formatting, uh correctly implemented across all industry uh platforms, then yes. we'll get to picture yes. printing. Yes, so, you know ooh, what? You know what? Let's go back into that that smelly room we left at three AM last night. Right. We're putting manage back on the columns because we, <laughs> right, we're putting plan back on there because we're going to track that Kanban. I need oh, plan oh. and manage. I got to say, all do... the machine learning, AI, all of this stuff in the world, paste without formatting, still does and, not work. And print a photo. Why is it so common? I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, there you go. There I go, be, I go why through. Why I go does through anyone the five... put some AI on that? That uh, would be. I'm all in on that AI I feature. Just, I just want to print a photo. That's, that's all uh, I want. I don't want to print a photo on a regular size piece of paper. I want it on tray two on the photo paper. It's a photo. It's so hard. Well, uh, how about yourself, Matt Ray? What do you have to recommend? 
<laughs> well, next week, next week, I'm going to be talking about my my Mac uh, upgrades because I got some some in the hopper, and I'll be sure to compare notes. But it's not done yet. My I got two picks this week. Uh, the first one is uh, a new podcast I've been enjoying called This Must Be the Gig. It's uh, interviews with musicians, you know, people in bands, and talking about like how they got to where they are. Um, and yeah, you know, they they've had some some big names like you know David Byrne and and other folks. But uh, uh, a recent episode with Mike Patton from Faith No More and you know twenty other bands uh, was actually really good. So uh, check that podcast out. There's like seventy or eighty episodes. Um, you don't obviously have to listen to all of them, but if you like music, you'll probably find somebody you want to hear from. Um, good podcast. Uh, and then I have an anti pick. Um, I was uh, on a flight back from Singapore. And I was like, oh, you know, that uh, that new zombie movie, The Dead Don't Die. Oh, boy. Terrible. Oh, so terrible. And and I like Jim Jarmusch. Some of his stuff has been really good. Oh, he made that? And the cast? Yeah. Huh. And the cast is, you know, Bill Murray and Iggy Pop and, you know, like five or six people who've nominated for Academy Awards. I mean, it's like amazing cast. Great trailer. The movie, everything good was in the trailer and the movie is slowly paced it's self-referential in a way that is just annoying and oh, it just killed me and, and it's too long by like i don't know an hour and 45 minutes whoa wait <laughs> just watch the trailer and call it that the the reviews are um they're all like if you if you go through and read the reviews they're either tens because people are like jermish oh he's a genius and ones and twos of this is trash i'm in the i'm in the ones and twos category myself hmm. you know so don't I'm, watch the dead don't you know watch when, the when, when we were when we were in our, our teen and 20 years matt ray i feel like you had so much better taste than i did you're very cultured you know all these like all, all this all <laughs> I, this music I, stuff going on i don't know what my, happened my, yeah, I, I I surrounded myself with people with better taste, and and hopefully some of that rubbed off on me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hmm. I should I should learn something from that. Well, I have a recommendation that I feel like Matt Ray has probably recommended before because this always happens when I recommend these kind of things. But no. I I, uh, I I finally started reading. You know, I've been I've been uh, squirreling away over in Goodreads and uh, all these books that I want to get around to reading. And one of them is this uh, this I am always looking for. Uh, uh, an, a, a somewhat easy but not cheesy uh, like sci-fi or fantasy reading thing, and you know I don't want space carpets as is well established. And but then I also I also don't want that series where there's like uh, you know the turtle on the turtle and everything with the Japanese tourist and the wizards. Like that's the is that Terry Pratchett? Like that's just too much. I can't I can't go yeah. that far. Uh, so, but I found uh, I just finished. I stayed up. This is like the first time. I'm talking about books here. This is the first time in, I feel like, years that I actually stayed up till like 2 o'clock at night reading a book. And it's the first book in this series called uh, The Broken Earth something. And it's called The Fifth Season. And it's just like, uh, it's a little bit, it's kind of like, it's it's great. Like, there's a little bit of like, uh, kind of like weird civilizations and plate tectonics. I'm not really selling it here. But uh, it's very nicely written. It's got like good story structure, and uh, it's uh, it's a very very good book. And there's like two more, and it's these kind of books that are like you know 500 pages, but you would never really tell by the, the ease of reading it. And it has a good there's good sort of world building in it, and and all sorts of stuff going on that uh, leave you curious without being confused about uh, space carpets or uh, you know like I was reading this other book, The Face in the Frost, and that one's kind of delightful. 
But it's a little, like, I don't know, a little too clever. Like, they talk about they have this mirror that can look into the future. And so these wizards in, like, a Conan time know about baseball. And I don't know. I'm, I'm not into that kind of thing. That doesn't – I, I want to keep my, my food separate, as it were. Well, as always, this has been Software Defined Talk. As mentioned several times, if you want to find all the episodes and the show notes, you just go to softwaredefinedtalk.com. You should really join the Slack. It's fun in there. You can suggest things and uh, chat about this, that, and the other. And uh, with that, we'll see everyone next time. Bye-bye. Bye. You got it, you got it.